Welcome to this week's edition of the Talk Podcast. As we look forward now to the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, proper 7a. Uh, and, you know, we're, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Jeremiah chapter 20. And uh, we were talking earlier, Paul, that this is only one of three times we get Jeremiah in this year of the lectionary. Yeah, for a major prophet, it's, it's kind of surprising that, that readings from Jeremiah don't come up more frequently. Yeah, it's uh, this week as well as next week. Then the time before that was Easter Sunday, I believe, that we had Jeremiah. So after next week, this is all we get for Series A. But when you think about it, you've got three years three, three years worth of readings from mm-hmm. the Old Testament. I mean, the Old Testament is, just in terms of length, it's, it's huge. It's huge, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I guess it shouldn't surprise us maybe that, that you can't cover... Quite, quite the breadth of a of a chapter like uh, a book like Jeremiah in, mm-hmm. in the span of three years. Yeah, so so I never looked at the other lectionary years to see, I guess, how much we had. But yeah, this year we have just uh, three times. So this is the second of the three. Next week will be the third, and then uh, Jeremiah is done for the year already. So uh, it's kind of a shame, like you said, to have a major prophet and we don't get very much of him uh, this year. But um, but uh, so this will be the text I'll actually be preaching on this, this week, uh, Jeremiah uh, twenty-seven to thirteen, and we find in this chapter of Jeremiah, Jeremiah kind of encountering what does it mean to be faithful to God, but at the same time suffering opposition. It's uh, a reality that he deals with, but then at the same time he he clings to that hope that God has everything in control, and. You know, we kind of have this transition throughout. We go from, we'll, we'll find out as we get into it, we have this transition from lament to hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, as uh, I was uh, talking to pastor here a while back, you know, lament must end in hope. And uh, that is uh, you know, kind of where we see Jeremiah ending up at. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here either. So, you know, I, I like to always, you know, uh, this week I figured we'd be spending some more time talking about the context of it before we really get into the text. But then sometimes I feel like it's helpful just to look at our collects for the week sometimes even to kind of give us a glimpse as to kind of what our, our tone for the, that day is or maybe our theme for the day is. So our, um, our collect for this week for a proper seven, uh, series A, is uh, we would pray, O oh God, because your abiding presence always goes with us, keep us aware of your daily mercies, that we may live secure and content in your eternal love. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. So we see here that you know, Jeremiah, you know, like I said, he goes from lament to hope. And... And Jeremiah, you know, I think likely was having to be reassured of this certainty that the Lord does abide, you know, with him, with him, and that uh, his presence is always with him, uh, you know, even in these times of opposition. But now in the, thinking about, you know, just the rest of our, our lectionary readings for this week, we kind of see an overall theme here of deliverance mm-hmm. uh, going on. Uh, Jeremiah, he, he ends with, the Lord will deliver his people from the hands of evildoers. And then 
Uh, Psalm 91, which is an option for the week, it speaks of the Lord delivering from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Uh, the intro that is available to use uh, speaks of Yahweh delivering the psalmist's soul from death. Uh, Romans speaks of believers being, being those whom the Lord has brought from death to life or delivered from death to life. Uh, so we see you know, this uh, kind of interplay here with all of our uh, propers uh, speaking about deliverance. And even in the gospel, too. Although it's used in a little different way, Jesus says a brother will deliver brother against brother. I hope I typed that out right. <laughs> and father against son. And then, of course, like I said, we have Jeremiah here now with um, being delivered from the hands of evildoers. But, you know, I was uh, looking at this just for my own sake, you know, when I was uh, researching things here, trying to figure out you know, what's the difference in the use of the gospel lesson? The way he uses the word, uh, you think of uh, delivering brother, you know, against brother, uh, versus you know, being delivered, you know, from death or being delivered uh, from the hands of our enemies. And we'll see in one in the meaning that like Jeremiah uses, we have it. You know, it means to strip, plunder, or deliver oneself, or maybe be delivered, snatched away from. Um, or uh, just uh, simply deliver. I guess uh, typical um, dictionary entry. It uses the word in the in the. Uh, um, I want to say definition. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's kind of the sense of the meaning we see Isaiah or Jeremiah rather using it, and then even uh, I would even think in a sense the. Um, this team, I'm just I'm trying to remember here. So, in a sense, too, maybe even that epistle lesson too of being, um, you know, brought from death to life, being delivered, or kind of this change of circumstances, maybe. Um, but then in the gospel, we have another meaning here, meaning to hand over, to hand someone over, uh, maybe to pledge or hand down, deliver, commit, commend. But then there's betray or abandon too. Uh, so we see two different. Uh, kind of uses of in English now of deliver. Uh, one, being able to rescued, basically, and one to be able to betray and so forth. Uh, but in Jer Jeremiah, we're uh, dealing with the first one, being, uh, being delivered and uh, being uh, snatched away uh, and so forth. Mm -hmm. they, they, probably, they probably had similar meanings even though they're different words in the mm -hmm. original mm -hmm. language, yeah. they probably, yeah. e even in, in the original language, they played off each other. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I, I didn't want to get too much into the original language here. I mean, I didn't want to, it's, uh, it gets a little bit too much going on at one time here. But, but so that's just kind of showing we're dealing with this word deliverance uh, throughout the uh, propers this week. But we see now with our Jeremiah text, again, chapter 20, um, 7 to 13, that Jeremiah, he has been called as a prophet. Uh, this is just kind of broader context of Jeremiah. He's been called as a prophet really against his own will. Uh, he didn't uh, really want to be a prophet, but nonetheless, the, the Lord uh, calls him as one. And it's a, a time when things are not good for the people of Judah. Uh, you know, they have turned away from God. They have sinned against God. 
and they continually do this. Uh, I, I think of the imagery of the, the Israelites in the wilderness, I and mean, how many times uh, you know, they you know, turned against God and worshiped other gods instead, and, and disobeyed God's commands. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, so to speak. And uh, I'm sure if we can even look at ourselves today, there's nothing new under the sun. But uh, Jeremiah then, he was called and sent to be able to uh, pro proclaim to them and to also to urge them to repent uh, of their sins, you know, to urge them to repent from you know, turning away from God and um, you know, following you know, other idols and so forth. But of course, we, as we saw with the Israelites in the wilderness, well, here now too, they continued in sin. Uh, you know, they were a hard-hearted people uh, where there was a, I think another, I think in Isaiah, I think they, they are rebellious people. Uh, you know, this Again, nothing new under the sun. They continue to do this, even though being told not to do this. Um, you know, by the end of Jeremiah then, we, uh, and we'll get more of this in our podcast for next week, a little bit more directly related to this, but uh, by the end, they would be exiled to Babylon. Uh, Babylon would, uh, the Babylonian army would come and uh, destroy uh, the, uh, Jerusalem and take uh, the, the Judah into captivity for 70 years. Is how long that would last. Well, and they plundered. They plundered Jerusalem, not just not just of its riches, but its people. And, yes, and people took, too. Took them all yeah, back. took them all back. Yeah. yeah, the you know the temple was destroyed. The, the people were taken uh, back to Babylon, uh, held captive, um, and uh, and uh, you know they took all the goods out of the temple. You know, brought it with them and so forth. And the period we're talking about is about. Is about 600 BC, maybe a little. little yeah, later than that. yeah, give or take. Yeah, yeah it's about 600 BC. The actual uh, exile to Babylon was. I mean, I don't think anyone knows the exact years, but roughly, I think it was like 500 and was it 80 uh, some uh, BC, uh, and then uh, Jeremiah. Then he was born in. I'm trying to remember the the kind of the roughly kind of where it would have been. Uh, I can't remember that, but I do know that he would have been about 20 when he was called as a prophet. And then uh, this happened about 40 years later now. So he was in his later years by the time uh, this all took place. But I would imagine, though, that, I mean, just the whole book of Jeremiah is a span of many years. I mean, I'm sure it's not just one, one mm -hmm. day or one year that's going on here. It's a span of time that uh, Jeremiah, you know, you know was sent to these people to uh, proclaim to them repentance and to urge them to repent. Right, and, and, and as I looked at the, at the book of Jeremiah, it would be something that would be worth reading as a, as a larger section, you know, if you can, if you can make that happen, just yeah. so you can understand the, the complete context of, yeah. of his life and his, you know, what, what, he, what he wrote. Right, yeah, because uh, it's certainly a, a, an interesting book to go through and uh, maybe uh, maybe we only get it three times <laughs> per year in the lectionary this year. It, it's made that an area of scripture that's very familiar with everyone. But so you know, Jeremiah is sent to proclaim to Israel, you know, urge them to repent, and tells them what's going to happen if they don't. I mean, things aren't going to be good for them. 
Well, the people didn't like what he had to say. So they, they take Jeremiah and they uh, uh, capture him and he's uh, held in the stocks overnight, which is a form of a punishment uh, in those days. And Jeremiah, he's fed up. He's not happy. Uh, you can about imagine he's probably losing his patience here uh, with the people and I'm sure with God too. He was like, you know, I didn't even want to be a prophet in the first place. And now you send me into this situation. Like, what gives? <laughs> um, you know, I think of, I think uh, about a month ago, I think we had a reading with Moses. And Moses, uh, you know, he would much rather die at that point than deal with the, the Israelites with their griping and their complaining. And, uh, so I, I thought of Moses right away when I was mm-hmm. uh, looking at this. All, all too familiar story. It's all too familiar story. And so we find Jeremiah now in our text uh, lamenting. Um, uh, again, he's not happy. Uh, things aren't going good for him. Um, and uh, just before we get started with the uh, read through the text, I do want to like, right at the beginning. We'll have a line here that, "Oh Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived." Mm-hmm. Basically, what Jeremiah is saying here is that, "Lord, you are more powerful than I." Pretty much that his will uh, kind of out trumped uh, Jeremiah's will. Uh, the fact that, you know, here he was, a prophet now. Uh, this may not deceived as in the way we think of it, the, you know, a negative way, but other than just the Lord's will uh, overruled. And You mean acknowledging the sovereignty of, of, of what God's plan was more than... Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. as you can think of it that way. Yeah, okay. yeah, so more acknowledging that, you know, that, you know, Lord, you have prevailed. I mean, uh, now you put me in this, and, uh, but... We may get a little ahead of ourselves, but I just want to, before we get into it, keep that in mind. Then I'll, uh, I think what we'll do is actually read through the first few verses, 7 through 10, and then I'm just going to break in for just a moment, and then we'll actually just pretty much go on to the second half, too. Sure. It's written kind of like a psalm, so. O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as if, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him, let us denounce him, say all my close friends and watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived, then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. So this uh, this first half that we just read, I mean, he's definitely lamenting. (laughs) It's all doom and gloom. Uh, It's all doom and gloom for him. I mean, uh, it's a situation he's been put in. You know, I go and proclaim uh, to the people, uh, prophesy to the people, and I'm only met with, you know, all this hatred and opposition. Um, and then, uh, but then, but now we see here there is a, a shift in, in the language that he uses. And uh, let's uh, actually just read this second half now, just to, then we'll uh, talk about the whole thing afterwards. Yeah, verses 10, 10 through 13. 11 through 13, 11 through 13 yeah. 13. Yeah. 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 But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. 
their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts, who tests the righteous, who sees the hearts and the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. Thank you. So, yeah, again, uh, we have two different tones of voice going here. Uh, our first half, uh, lament, but then uh, Jeremiah's lament turns into hope. And ultimately, I mean, that is that, that acknowledgement that you know, the Lord has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. Um, and, you know, that when you think of lament, I mean, uh, what does lament do? I mean, ultimately, it, it calls God out. Uh, you kind of like Jer- Jeremiah was doing here. It's like, you know, Lord, you put me in this situation, and now I'm having to face all this opposition. It's like, you know, what is going on here? He was calling him out. He's, uh, you know, this doesn't really know what to do with himself. But then ultimately, it clings to hope. And that uh, the hope of the salvation it belongs to God, which, uh, you know, Jeremiah uh, you know, knew uh, very much of that salvation. And the whole thing, this whole passage reads mm-hmm. like, like a lot of the Psalms where they'll begin yeah. with, with the kind of the woe is me part of it. And then there's the acknowledgement that, that everything is in God's hands. There's, there's many of the Psalms that have that same poetic, right. Yeah. Poetic form to them. Well, and, and in a way it's a lot like sections of the book of Job too. Where you mm-hmm. read that. I mean, there are large parts of Job that read in the same way. Uh, that that there's la- that lament that's cast in a in a poetic type form. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of have you know this uh, kind of poetry, I guess, uh, section here, uh, too, kind of thrown in with it. Um, and yeah, that's a, a good observation. It's uh, very much like the Psalms. Uh, and I mean, I can't help but you know, for the, this first half, I mean, having uh, I think it was the, the, that old. Um, I'm really dating the shows that I watch now. Uh, the old hee-haw, uh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking here a little bit. Uh, as I read Jeremiah, it's like, yeah, I mean, and understandably so. I mean, if it, uh, you know, if he's called to you know, preach to these people and proclaim to them, and you know, what they only, you know, he becomes a laughingstock all the day. You know, people mock him. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, I mean, what point is this? I mean, nothing's taking root here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, then there is actually in the middle here uh, of that first section. You know, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. So, despite becoming a laughing stock, you know, despite uh, you know. Being, being mocked by the people. There is still within Jeremiah, even if he, if he, even if he says in response to that, no, I'm not going to speak in the Lord's name anymore, inside of him there's just this kind of feeling, this fire inside of him, uh, as if you will, that this will not leave him alone. I mean, he must proclaim this. Uh, and it's, as he says, you know, I'm weary with holding it in, you and I cannot. So he can't help himself but still continue going to proclaim what the Lord has sent him to proclaim. It's that, that kind of spark of, of 
you know, the gospel that, that will not be extinguished. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, mm -hmm. it's still there. It's, it's a fire, fire that keeps burning. I mean, the, the fire analogy is a good one. Yeah, that's a good analogy. And uh, I guess we even think of the, in our sanctuary, we have the, the eternal, um, I guess, uh, I don't know if there's a flame anymore, but uh, uh, the candle up front in the baptistry here, uh, you kind of have that, it's a little different usage of the analogy, mm -hmm. but... Um, but yeah, this idea that you know that that fire within of just—I mean, he, even if he wanted to hold it in, he can't. You know, he he must proclaim you know, what he's been told to proclaim. And I suppose you might even argue that even right in there, in that even there, maybe there's a little bit of hint of some hope. Uh, you know, but still, he returns to uh, just what the people are saying. You know, de denounce him. Let us denounce him. Uh, you'll see all my close friends watching for my fall. You'll perhaps he will be deceived. Then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. Um, but then it is amazing then to see how he does turn to hope so rapidly. And, uh, and that's where he ends is on hope. Um, and you said, uh, as, as part of your, your sermon on Sunday, mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of focusing on this idea that Jeremiah as the prophet is, in a lot of ways, like swimming upstream. He's, he's going against, against the current of, of, of the world around him. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, isn't that imagery of, I mean, where we're at, you know, in, in our world today? Uh, you know, like that's, uh, you know, a question I'm going to ask. Like, do you ever feel like you're swimming upstream and against the tide. Uh, I think uh, most of us would be lying if we said we didn't ever feel that way. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, as we find out, and as Jeremiah found out here, you know, maybe after all, we aren't you know, going upstream after all, but maybe we are just on a solid foundation, on a solid rock. Um, you know, I mean, Jeremiah describes this solid uh, rock or solid foundation uh, right here when he talks about uh, the Lord being with him as a dread warrior. Um, and I thought he used uh, uh, salvation somewhere in here. Maybe it wasn't, wasn't in this text. Um, but, you know, salvation belongs to the Lord. Um, yeah, that, that must have been another text where I, I saw it. But... Um, but he knew that, you know, that hope was that salvation belongs to God and that you know, the Lord's abiding pr presence will be with him. You know, even in this midst of opposition, the Lord would be with him. Uh, you know, the, the Lord you know, did deliver the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. And so we see in our lives, I mean, the Lord has delivered us. And this is what we pray you know, time and time again in the Lord's prayer. You know, deliver us from evil. And uh, I, I'm not going to try to recite the explanation from the catechism right now. I don't have it in front of me. But, um, uh, you know, Luther then, uh, if you want to go in your catechisms and look, uh, you know, it talks about being delivered from, uh, from our enemies and then, uh, you know, being at last, when our last hour comes, being brought into eternal life. And, you know, there is where that hope clings to. And that's... Uh, where we are, where we are grounded, uh, whether we face opposition or not, this is where our hope lies and is anchored. Right, and that and the, I mean that that rounds rounds out your comments really nicely because you began with dwelling on the word deliver. Yeah, 
and so de deliver no. us from from all these these threats. Yeah, deliver us from all these threats, and and uh, you know, as I kind of am going to end the sermon with, I mean, and He does do this because He has promised to. Uh, you know, if the Lord promises something; He doesn't hold back that promise, uh, and you know, that gives us uh, much joy in times of even in opposition from the world. So, as we think about you know being in. As you talked about, I kind of bookended my comments with you talking about the use of deliverance and then being delivered you know, from our enemies. Um, you know, and we talk about this deliverance of being delivered from our enemies, you know, giving us that hope, uh, that hope of eternal life. You know, being brought in, into uh, God's kingdom. You know, uh, when our last hour comes. Um, you know, we we talk about this hope that it gives us. And that hope that Jeremiah felt, and and then you know, maybe the fact that, I mean, yes, at first it seems like we're going upstream against the tide, but you know, after all, maybe we aren't. You know, we're on that solid rock of that hope. Uh, with that in mind, uh, I, I know Paul. I think you picked a very fitting hymn for us this week. Well, with your um, with your insights into this Jeremiah text, it kind of suggested this to me, and the and the one that I that I lit upon was my hope is built on nothing less, uh, which if you have a Lutheran service book, um, there's actually two versions, well, two melodies uh, contained in our Lutheran service book, and they are at numbers 575 and 576. We'll, talk, we'll come back to that later and talk <laughs> about the two different melodies. But um, when I started looking at the different stanzas in this, uh, one convenient tie-in with the book of Jeremiah comes in stanza three. His oath, his covenant and blood support me in the raging flood. When every earthly prop gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Talking about this new covenant, which comes right out of Jeremiah 31. Um, mm. Yeah. Not and too then, long after our text that we talked about. Right, yeah. right. And this this passage, um, uh, I, I think it, it appears during the during the Christmas season some, some, hmm. somewhere. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I for, will forgive their iniquity, and I remember their sin no more. So it's, you know, kind of taking all these past, past sins and, and acknowledging that they have been forgiven and that he's going to make a new covenant and, and, and redeem them. Um, and that, that really fits in with stanza three of this particular hymn, My um, Hope is Built on Nothing Less. But what suggested it to me was this imagery that you suggested of Christ Christ being the, the solid rock, that, that we're unmovable, that we're, even though it seems like there's this, this uh, flood, this raging flood around us that we can't seem to make any headway against. And, and this hymn is full of that kind of nautical imagery, um, which I think to, for us these days is maybe a little bit something that, that we, you know, unless you spend a lot of time on the water, we don't, we don't really relate to. Right. I mean, we're not a seafaring people, no. you know, especially in landlocked you know, Midwest, unless you, you know, 
have a boat and go out on yeah. the lake or something. I guess maybe on this end of Wisconsin, it probably helps you out right on the bay, maybe, and well, that closer to Lake Michigan. But. Yeah, that is true. And then I've, I've noticed some of the, um, the churches right along Lake Michigan, where there used to be you know, real vibrant fishing industry, mm that some of the churches would adopt that symbol of the, of the, of the fishing net mm. as part of their, their imagery, you know, praying for the protection and safety of the, oh, of yeah. the fishermen yeah. as they went yeah. out uh, on their work. Yeah, I think if you go on the grounds of Concordia Mequon, I think they have a, actually a statue right along the kind of the edge of the property. I think it's uh, Jesus and the disciples in the boat. Oh, Jesus in the boat, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and they're casting their nets, I think. Yeah, very... Very appropriate for that. Yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a church. There's a church right on the lake too that, that's named mm. the Fisherman. I can't. I can't remember which one it is mm. right now. But it, but uh, you know, it. Your your vocation is kind of wedded to your to your faith life. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. a lot of ways yeah. there. Mm -hmm. um, and in this hymn, that's very true. There's there's mm -hmm. it, there's different images dropped in of of kind of. Uh, this, this flood and this imagery of water. Um, support me in the raging flood. Well, and and then the whole the whole notion of the 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 house that is built on sand gets swept away is also uh, in, included in this because if you build it on the rock, it will stand. It will not be swept away in the, in the flood. This hymn was written by. Edward uh, Moat, who um, was an early 18th century, uh, first he was a cabinet maker and then he became a Baptist minister, but he was inspired by a shipwreck in the English Channel in 1825. And so um, that's kind of underlying this once you read, read the, the text, because um, there's this reference to the stormy gale and my, my anchor. Well, these are, these are all nautical images. Mm -hmm. And um, there are multiple tunes for this particular text. Um, the one that we have, we have the two that we have in our hymnal are one is is by John Stainer. It's a, a 19th century from the Victorian era. Very much sounds that way, and to some people is the only correct the only correct tune to sing it to, especially those who grew up with TLH. Mm -hmm. Um, the tune is by John Stainer, who is, who is a composer from that particular period. Uh, the other tune that's in our hymnal is one by an American composer, William Brad, Bradbury. And to me, what makes the second tune fit a lot better is he wrote the music with this text in mind. Okay. Originally, the, the melody that we sing it to was written for an entirely different text. Mm. So it's a wedding of text and tune that I think are maybe less successful. Now that's fighting words to some people because they, they, <laughs> you know, they grew up with this particular pairing and they, they, they think it doesn't fit. There's also a third possibility that some Lutherans uh, use for a melody to sing this particular text. And that one is the melody that also goes to uh, the text of Eternal Father Strong to Save. Mm -hmm. And you could see how that would work because Eternal Father Strong to Save is the hymn that's always used at military funerals, yeah. particularly burials at sea, yeah. Yeah. because that it has that image of the, you know, the, the, the foaming deep and the raging, the, you know, the raging seas, especially if you look at the original Navy stanzas. Um, 
I know we were talking about that recently because mm -hmm. that reading will come up during the summer. Yeah, in August, yeah. In, in yeah. August. Yeah. And so um, that's always a good hymn to sing there because it, it really uh, addresses that, that image of, of Jesus calming the, the storm mm -hmm. uh, uh, for the fishermen. Mm -hmm. And so once again, a melody that's associated with the sea or the navy or nautical themes. And so you can see how that pairing came to be. Uh, William Bradbury, as I, as I said, was the um, was a, an American composer um, from that from the mid nineteenth century. Out of the tradition of um, uh, this, he wrote a lot of Sunday school hymns. Uh, Lowell Mason, who is kind of the the founder of music education uh, in our country, and he. Um, was, was very well educated in music. He actually went to Europe to study with some of the leading composition teachers in Europe, and then kind of brought that experience back um, to, the, to, the, um, to the US. So um, you could argue certainly, you know, which is the better tune? Um, perhaps we should sing a little bit of both. Why don't we, um, well, why don't we do it this way? Uh, why don't we sing stanza one to um, the tune at 575, and why don't we uh, come back and sing that same stanza with the other tune? With the other tune, okay. And then you can let me know what your thought is about <laughs> it. Maybe you don't know the second tune as well. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I see a few high notes coming into this, so I'll, I'll do my best to add in. But okay. I think yeah. with the, the haze in the air the last few weeks, I've been a little... <laughs> It, it does have a very large range yeah. as the yeah. tunes go. That is, that, is, that is true. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And here's the other two. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Do you know that too? I've heard it, yeah. You've heard yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it just is a lot more sturdy and reflects the mm -hmm. idea of a rock mm -hmm. than the other one. The other one is more uh, devotional and, and mm -hmm. sentimental. Yeah. And to me, yeah. just really mm -hmm. doesn't doesn't capture, especially the, the refrain. The refrain the portion, yeah. The refrain. yeah. Yeah. It just needs to be something that's just you know a little bit more <laughs> solid. Um, and that refrain, when you think about it, it's it's kind of pulled right out of Psalm 18. The Lord is my rock and, and my fortress and my deliverer. Again, the word deliverer. Yeah, deliverer keep, again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Keeps coming back. Um, and uh, uh, I think that, for, for that reason, it's, it's a more compelling tune. But I can see why they put both of them in our current hymnal. 
that's kind of a tough call to make because you only have so much room in a hymnal. Yeah. So yeah. you better you better have a really good reason if you're going to put two versions of the same hymn in the hymnal. And I think it's it's because this is just such a uh, the second tune is just mm -hmm. a, so much of, of a better pairing. Of yeah. Tune. Yeah. And there's just I mean the words it's just a beloved hymn, but when it comes to the words, so mm -hmm. I mean, why not have both versions in it? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, for, you know, for that matter, there's a little note at the bottom of the page mm -hmm. that, you know, if you like, if you prefer even the third version, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Mm -hmm. it, it fits. It's, pre it's pretty smooth. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what other hymn does I go with? I'm that, that's with Eternal that. Father Strong. It, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 right, yeah. The Navy yeah, hymn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd imagine with the refrain, you were talking about it being just more powerful, like with the rock. Imagine with the organ, you're almost able to bring that out a little bit. Yeah, that, that, is, yeah. that is true. That is true. And a, and a lot of our, our other brothers and sisters in you know, different denominations, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the, the tune they sing it to. We're, okay. we're a real minority. Are we? Having okay. this particular pairing of, okay. of the text and tune. Okay. Yeah. okay. Oh, Lord. Have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them. Read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Bible study podcast. It is our hope that it has helped you grow in faith and appreciation of our Lutheran worship traditions. Speaking of worship, remember that from Memorial Day through Labor Day, our Sunday services are at 8 and 9.30 a.m. and our Monday service remains at 6.30 p.m. God's peace be with you.